Welcome to another IFE podcast. In this episode, we present a distinguished visitor lecture by Professor Jean-Paul Metzger. Recorded on Wednesday, 5th of June, 2019, this lecture precedes the more recent international outcry around the rate of deforestation and intentional burning in Brazil's Amazon rainforests. Jean-Paul Metzger is a professor of ecology at the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil and for 20 years has specialised in landscape ecology and biodiversity conservation in fragmented landscapes, essentially in the Brazilian Atlantic Forest region. His main research focuses are related to landscape connectivity, ecological thresholds and time lag responses to landscape changes, and conservation planning. More recently, he has been exploring the relationships between landscape structure and ecosystem services. In this lecture, Jean-Paul delivers a critical evaluation of Brazilian environmental policies of the past and discusses future scenarios in light of the country's socio-economic and political situation. We hope you enjoy this distinguished visitor lecture. So I'm very happy to be here with you and to share some of my depressing presentation today <laughs> about future of Brazil and how good and bad were the environmental uh, policies uh, uh, in Brazil. Uh, as Grant just said, I'm a landscape ecologist. I work a lot with fragmentation effect on biodiversity. And now I'm much more interested about the effect of landscape structure and landscape level process on uh, ecosystem service and human well-being. But part of my, uh, my talk here is much more about uh, how good were policies in Brazil, environmental policies. So this talk is a mix between uh, some research that I have done about the efficiency of some uh, public policy in Brazil, but at the same time, it's a, a warning, an alert. Um, I'm asking for help for you here because I don't know how to, to deal with the situation in Brazil, which is really bad at this moment. So I will give you a general context of uh, so how we are in Brazil, which is the situation, the political situation in Brazil, where environmental decisions are taken. So first, I think, I, I, I think there is only one Brazilian here in the room. Two, <laughs> three, <laughs> so much more. Um, but I think that most of you should know that we just changed uh, uh, the president in Brazil. So for a long time in Brazil, we had a left-wing party, the, the working party that was in, in power in Brazil. And now, more recently, uh, Jair Bolsonaro just won the election. And this is a completely ch change in the political from the left-wing side to the right. Uh, uh, wing side, and so uh, everything is changing. And Jair Bolsonaro is someone that people usually call the Trump from the tropics, but I think it's worse than that in some sense. I think some of you will agree, others will not agree, but I'm just uh, telling my impression, because if you see his history of, uh, so he, he has a discourse of dictatorship or uh, uh, supporting torture, or supporting that, or saying that he wants to kill all his opponents from the left wing. He talked about uh, women, gay people, and minorities in a really bad way. And so 
and also he promised to bring other spreading cow by spreading cows with relaxation of can laws. So I don't know someone who talks and who has this discourse and was elected. It's for me it's quite surprising. And if you Google uh, Jair Bolsonaro, you will mostly see him with a gun. So obviously he's supported by the the gun uh, uh, industry, but. He's um, saying that we need guns to have a new order in Brazil. So, and he wants to kill everyone that is, has not the same ideas that he has. Looking to the, to, to the environmental side, he understand, he and his companions, they understand, understand that environmental uh, 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 is only a barrier to the development of Brazil. So he's supported by the mining sector, he's supported by the agri, culture sector, he's supported by the logging sector and the can sectors. And so they all say that Brazil has only one third of his territory occupied by, by agricultural areas, so productive areas, and two thirds of Brazil is covered by native vegetation, and that is too much. And so the discourse is if we want to grow, we need to expand the agricultural area in forests or native areas. So this is the main discourse. And if we look at uh, how he, he understands indigenous peoples, he understands also as environmental, as something that is impeding the development of Brazil, because we have huge area uh, for uh, lands for uh, in, in indigenous people. And so he just changed uh, the authority to demarcate indigenous land from the justice ministry to the agriculture ministry. So, is the agriculture ministry the best ministry to demarcate lands? Probably not. They just changed this recently, but the idea is not to have any new indigenous reserves or even to uh, delay to gigazette some of the one that was created. So he's in power and I will just show who is in power with Bolsonaro. So Ernesto Araújo is the foreign minister of Brazil and he just believed that there is no climate change. I think here in Australia you have some quite similar situation probably, but he understand that climate change is a discourse uh, from developed country to avoid developing countries to really be more developed. So he's against the, the, the Paris Agreement. He's understand that this is a globalist and cultural Marxist propaganda machine. So this is our foreign ministry. And he's also completely against international NGOs. This is one guy in power in Brazil. The other one who is in power is Ricardo Salles, who I think some of the Brazilians will know him. It's a very young guy. <clears throat> that was a secretary of environment in, in the state of Sao Paulo, and he had a lot of problems. And one of the problems is that he uh, is convicted in court for fraudulently favoring mining company, so he's supported by mining co company. So the idea of Bolsonaro would be to, to, to uh, um, not having an environmental ministry but they maintain an environmental ministry with someone in the head that is completely uh, in, in alignment with the agricultural sector. So this is our 
Ministry of Environmental. <laughs> it's a good situation, as you can see. And Olavo, Olavo de Carvalho, he, he's someone who lives in, in the United States, but he's considered as a guru of Bolsonaro. So, and as a guru, he's indicated or nominated three or four of our ministry. And just to know what kind of people he is, he said recently that he don't know if the earth is spherical or flat. So that's <laughs> the philosophy that we have just uh, behind us. And the problem, so we have these guys in power, and at the same time, Brazil has uh, passed through, uh, through uh, I think, the worst economic crisis, so we have a lot of problems. The GDP is still in the negative values, and you can see that the primary, primary balance is, is also negative and, and that in unemployment is just increasing. So this no, new government is just taking power in a moment that Brazil really needs good decisions. And I don't think they are taking good decisions. So one of the first decisions that they took is to cut one third of the budget from education, so from primary education to university, so one-third less money to education. So if we want, really want to have a better country, I don't think it's cutting money from education that we will get there. And for research funding, so CNPq is the main uh, research funding uh, at the federal level. And so in 2012, they had something like three billion uh, budget, so it's more or less one billion U, uh, Australian dollars. And nowadays, we have less than one billion, so one third of what we had uh, five years ago. And CNPQ, CNPQ say that the minimum then to survive and to maintain the fellowships would be one, more or less one, one billion. And in April, so 2019, we have less than 1 billion, and he just announced in April that he's cutting 40% of this budget. So I really don't know how we will do science in Brazil, because this is the main agency that funds science in Brazil, and we probably will not have money for grants, research grants, not even for uh, uh, fellowships, master, PhD, or postdoc fellowships. So the situation is really critical from my point of view. Okay, so uh, this is the general context of my talk, and I will try not to, not to depress too much you guys, but, but to, to give you some idea. Um, so we did some works about how good are Brazilian policies relate to environment, and so, so we did some counterfactual analysis that I will show to you now, and then I will talk about which is the scenario for the future and how bad it will be. So I will begin just with some good news. So good news is that if we see the deforestation trend from 2004 to 2012, we will see that deforestation is decreasing, mostly in the Amazon, but deforestation decreased a lot. So we were really very successful in our policies to stop, stop not, but to, 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 to deal and to reduce this deforestation rate. But from 2012, I don't have the whole data here, but you can see that there is a beginning of increase in the deforestation. 
So in 2012, I will talk for you later, we have the approval of the new forest code in Brazil. So the forest code is the main legislation that uh, provides conservation in private lands. And so they changed the law in 2012. And then since 2012, we can see a trend of increase in the deforestation rate in Brazil. We can see also in protected areas, so from 1970 to 2000 and 2000 something, we created a lot of new protected area, um, mostly in the Mata Trench. So this is number and, and not area, but we created a lot. And maybe after 2010, nothing is create, was created anymore. And recently, so just I think one month ago, we had this uh, manuscript in science where they talk about degradation of protected areas. So protected areas can be downgraded if you change the rule, uh, decreasing the legal restrictions. So this is downgrade. You can downsize or reduce the area of the protected areas. Or you can degazettement, which will be to lose the legal protection of an area. And so we have now a map showing where we had downgrading, downsizing, and degazettement. And you can see this is for the whole Amazon, so for the most of South America. But you can see that outside Brazil, so in, in, in the Amazon, but outside of Brazil, we have a, a lot of downgrade in those regions. But inside Brazil, we have now several cases of downsize. So they want to construct a new dam. They want to construct roads. They are just reducing the sizes of protected areas. And this trend also from 2010, so this is degraded uh, events. So from 2010, we have a lot of gigazettements, a lot of downsizes, and, and so on. And the main cause, if there is only one, there are multiple causes, but the main cause is mining. It's the same problem, I think, that you do have here in Australia also. So I would say that we were quite successful in our environment, environmental policies up to 2010, 2012, and then from 2012, change, things are changing a lot. So uh, as I said before, we, we have done some uh, policy evaluation, so using counterfactual uh, approaches. And one of these uh, uh, studies that we have done, so all of them leaded by one former PhD student from our, our lab, Patricia Ruggiero. And so one of these studies was about payment for ecosystem service. So we use the most traditional, the, long, the longest, uh, the more traditional payment for ecosystem service that we have in Brazil that was applied to the Atlantic forest. And so the idea is, so once we have this group of uh, uh, landowners that receive payment for ecosystem service, we need to compare them to control groups and then to see if, they were, if the payment is effect, effective or not uh, regarding different kind of uh, environmental output. So the idea is that we cannot use control groups as a random sample of the whole set of, land, of properties that we do have. Because if you use control groups, they will have different sizes. They will have different initial conditions in relation to the the group that received the treatment. So the idea is to use what we call the, a counterfactual group. So it's a selection among the whole, among the, the whole universe 
of uh, properties, but controlling for the size of the property, controlling for the size of the population around, controlling for relief conditions and vegetation cover at the beginning. So the idea is to have, at the beginning, a counterfactual group which is similar to the payment for ecosystem service group in a way that these two groups will differ only uh, uh, for receiving or not receiving the payments. So we had a lot of properties, so spread in a region that where the payment for ecosystem service was applied. And so the idea is to uh, uh, analyze changes uh, in deforestation regeneration before the implementation of the payment for ecosystem service and after, and to see if there is an effect of time and time and treatment uh, in deforestation and regeneration. So, so we had this matrix of transition. So some of the transitions are related to forced regeneration, other are related to forced loss. And then we analyze, I'm sorry that some of the, the slides are in Portuguese, but I can translate. <laughs> so some of the, uh, so what we analyze is regeneration and deforestation as a, a combination of payment for ecosystem service, so our treatment relates to time, if, change, if something changed through time, and the interaction between our treatment and time, and also controlling as a random factor to municipality and with some error. And so the results show that if we consider the amount of forest in control, so counterfactual areas, and areas that receive payment for ecosystem service, we do have an increase in this situation when we have payment and a decrease in the contrary area, but that was not a, a significant uh, effect. We also do not have a significant effect when we look to the loss, so deforestation or loss of initial vegetation, so some appear, apparently some trends, but not significant. And the main result, so the main outcome effect of payment for ecosystem service was in the regeneration. So we can see that we have much more regeneration when we have payment, both for forest and for initial vegetation. And so this, I'm just showing some few results, but from this first uh, uh, analysis, we show that payment for ecosystem service can promote increasing forest cover, not code, sorry, by favoring regeneration and not by reducing deforestation. But this effect is really limited in the amount of the, of the air that was uh, 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 regenerated. So if we want, for example, to recover the cover of the municipality to 33 percent, it will take 180 years to do that with payment for ecosystem service. So it's really not an, a cost-efficient uh, uh, way to do, to do that. The other policy that we evaluate is a policy that I think that only exists in Brazil. It's uh, what we call the intergovernmental fiscal transfer. So taxes in Brazil, they are collected by the state and then the state will redistribute this tax at the municipal level, and usually they do that only according to how much each municipality uh, uh, contributes to the tax uh, 
collection. But in some states, and from 1990 more or less to now, uh, they include also an ecological criteria. And this ecological criteria is related to the uh, proportion of the municipality that is occupied by protected areas, by the quality of those protected areas, and also by the existence of some regeneration uh, programs. And the idea here is that uh, to compensate, compensate municipality that set apart part of, his, of its uh, land to conservation, so you compensate giving more money, uh, redistributing more taxes for those uh, municipalities, but also it's a way to promote the creation of, of new protected areas. So this is the philosophy that was behind the idea of this ecological criteria when you redistribute the tax to the municipalities. So, but ne nobody has really tested if it is working or not. So what we use, it's a a large amount of municipality from different states in, in the southeast of Brazil. So some of those states uh, adopt this, uh, this uh, ecological transfer in 1991, others adopt more recently, and others never adopted, so we have some control situation. And I will not uh, explain the whole, the whole table here, but just to say that, so this is our treatment, so the ecological ECMS, and we can see that this treatment is acting not in promoting the creation of strictly protected areas, but in the creation of what we call APAS, which are sustainable, sustainable use protected areas. So it's area that you, you, you don't need to, to buy the land from the landowners, you just uh, establish some rules of how the landowner can uh, uh, um, use their lands. So some activities will not be allowed uh, within APAS. So they are quite soft. So in IUCN is class six, for those who knows. So it's a quite soft um, protected areas uh, type. And we, see, we can see that in most cases, uh, we have the same results in the different states. So. Uh, this transfer is acting essentially creating more uh, or less restrictive protected areas. And also the propensity to create new areas change through times. And what we can see here is that up to 10 years we have creation of new protected areas, but after 10 years, maybe it, there is no space left to create new protected areas. So this kind of policy is good to create what I call here low-quality protected areas and only for a short period, it's only for 10, 10 years. After 10 years, you don't have how to promote the, the creation of new protected areas. So this is only two examples um, showing that if we use a counterfactual approach environmental policies are showing quite limited results. And, and I think this is really important. This is only small examples, but in most cases, policies are applied and the effectiveness of these policies are not evaluated. So here I'm showing just two examples of how effective, and they are not really so effective, 
but it's a way that we can rethink uh, how we are doing policies uh, to protect the environment in Brazil. So this is the first part, and then, and then uh, how bad situations can be in Brazil. So one of the main, <coughs> uh, one of the main, uh, maybe indication that situation can go uh, not really well in Brazil is that there is a relationship between deforestation and the political cycle. So usually we think that the, main, the most important drivers of deforestation are agricultural expansion, road construction, or mining expansion, and things like that. But obviously, the decisions to construct roads or to give economic incentive to expand agriculture areas, they are political. They, they, they are related to a, 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 they are within a political context. And looking again only at the Atlantic forest, uh, we, here we have the deforestation uh, municipality by municipality from 2000 to 2015. And we, looking at this pattern, we can see that there is uh, oscillatory behavior in the deforestation. So in some years, we have a peak of deforestation, and in other years, deforestation decreased, and it increased again. So this is for the Atlantic Forest. And then we, uh, we, we perceive that these peaks are related to years where we have elections in Brazil. So then we decide to, to, to test if deforestation can be related to this political cycle. And then, so what we use, it's a huge data set that was constructed in Brazil. Um, so it's land use, land cover data set based on the Landsat images from 1985 to nowadays. And so we, we, so we have this for the whole Brazil, but we use only the data only the data from the Atlantic Forest. So the Atlantic Forest is a huge area that goes from the north to the south of Brazil in the coastal area. And so here we can see so the amount of pasture lands, uh, native vegetation, agriculture. Maybe we can see really clear trends. But when we look at the transition, so we know that most of the forest is maintained in that forest, but a small part of forest was deforested to different kind of land use, and a small part of the forest nowadays, so in 2015, uh, has just regenerated in the last five years. So we have here some, some global data for the whole Atlantic forest. And so the idea is to look at deforestation and regeneration year by year, and trying to see and to test statistically if uh, election years, we have a peak of deforestation. And in Brazil, we have municipal, municipal elections and state elections. So they occur each four years, but uh, if we consider both together, they occur each two years. So that, that was our data set. And then also, I will not explain the whole uh, uh, statistical process, but we control for a, a several uh, variables like population density, agricultural production at the municipality, municipality level, cattle density, precipitation, and so on. 
And obviously, we include our, our the years of elections, so for municipal and state elections. And the results show that we do not have a municipal election effect, but we do have a state election effect. And the states are the ones that really can decide, uh, can authorize new, uh, 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 the, the creation of new roads or the expansion of uh, uh, urban areas, of agricultural areas. So they do have the powers to decide when deforestation can occur legally. And we had, so we had an effect of a state election. And then we also test other things. Uh, I, I can share the, the paper, we, so we are just submitting the paper now. But So we test other things. And one of our hypotheses would be that deforestation would increase more when the election uh, was, uh, the results was not so obvious. So the, uh, the difference between the first and the second uh, Governors are really close to each other. But because we think that in those countries we have some kind of bargain, so I can negotiate with you and authorize some deforestation, then you vote to me and so on. But what we observe is that when you lose by a lot, deforestation was higher. And that means that maybe someone who knows that we lose by a lot, he knows that he should do something <coughs> at the end of his term, then they just uh, have some kind of behavior to everything and, and, and so on. So the conclusion of this part is that we do have. <laughs> Thanks. So that, that we do have a, a relationship between the political cycle, so mostly the state and federal cycle, and deforestation. And then the incumbent lose by a lot of deforestation, especially higher. Well, this is one indication that we can have a worse situation in Brazil because just at this uh, election now. And the last topic of my talk is about the forest code. And the forest code, as I said before, is the main legislation, the main law that provides protection in private areas. And this represents more than 50% of the native forest cover in Brazil. So it's really important law. It's crucial for every, it's for food security, water security, climate security, and obviously also for biodiversity conservation. And this uh, forest code, they act through main two, they act through two main uh, tools. One is areas of permanent preservation, so really most, the most sensitive areas that where vegetation should be maintained as steep slopes, as uh, along rivers, you, you need to maintain the stability, stability of the soil, so you need to have uh, vegetation. And we also do have what we call legal reserve, which is a part of the property that should be set apart in each property. And this area could be really big, so in the, in the forest area in the Amazon, this is 80%, so each landowner should maintain 80% of their property with forest. They can use only 20%. It's 35% in the savannas vegetation in the Amazon, 
and 20% in the whole, uh, in the rest of the country. And obviously, uh, most people in Brazil think that is too much. Right? We, we to use the whole property that we do have, and they just question if legal reserve could have any kind of uh, impact in conservation if they are too small, and so you have 20% here, 20% there, and so on. So if you have this fragmented uh, condition pattern in the, in the space, is this effective or not? And so several movements to change this law occur. So the first law is from 1934, but I think the, the main law is from 1965. And now, recently, we have this last change in 2012. And as you can see, people in Brazil in 2012 were really happy. So most of those guys, they have lands. So they are from the agricultural sector. So they are directly favored by changing the law. And what changed, just to explain very fast, so we have an amnesty of 41 million hectares. So a lot. I think it's more than Germany, the size of, the, of Germany. They change also because we have to protect areas along rivers. They change not the amount of areas that, that we have to protect it by the reference that we use. So in the old forest code from 1965, this protection is from the flooding area and, and, and with the new uh, forest code, the protection is just from the river. So in this situation, in most of the rivers, you lose the protection of a lot of floodplain areas. So incredible. So the estimation is that we are losing protection along rivers in more or less and this means that situations like that, so you have a protection here in 30 meters, and then you are go to an area that is dangerous to leave. So it's really bad not only uh, uh, thinking about the ecosystem service provided by floodplains, but also it's dangerous for, for, uh, for human lives. They also change the protection in uh, top hills. So the top hills in Brazil, they are protected because they think they are important areas to recharge water. So they change the rules. So this is a map showing protected areas in top hills in one region in Brazil. So almost 500 hectares of protection. And this is the area that is protected now. Small change. And another example here, so here's the protection in 1965, so more than 1,000 hectares protected, top hills and springs, and these are the protection now, because they don't protect rivers that is where the water is, is not running all the, all the year. So that means, so just putting uh, the, 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 the land cover below, that now we have all those these forests that can be legally cut. Okay, another thing that they have done is that uh, people that do not have the 20%, that do not have the legal reserves, they can, they can restore the reserves inside their, their own property, or they can favor regeneration, but they can also offset. 
can compensate. So, for example, this landowner has 0% of the capital reserve, but this other landowner has 40%, then that could be a problem if this is done in a small scale. But the problem is that compensation can be done for the whole biome. So that means, for example, for the Brazilian savannas, that you compensate forest by fields or fields by savannas, and so because you don't care what. If it is in the same biome, you can do the compensation. That means also the Atlantic forests go from north to south. That means that if we have some uh, uh, lack of legal reserve in the south, you can compensate in the north because land in the north is cheaper than the south. But the problem is that species composition in the north is completely different from the species composition in the south, even if we are in the same biome. So you are compensating things that are completely different. It's orange by bananas, so it's not offsetting, uh, really not offsetting. You can also compensate from an area that has few forest cover to another area that has a huge amount of forest cover. So you maintain the contrast uh, that already exists. That means that areas that doesn't have forest cover will continue to doesn't have forest cover and all the ecosystem services that are provided by those forests. And you just maintain areas with so no additionality. And also, if, for example, this forest is protecting uh, a, a reservoir, uh, and you can compensate in another area where there, there is no reservoir, so no equivalence in function also. So really, I think this is a big problem, because now we have a deficit of 19 million hectares that should be restored or compensated. And I think anything will be restored, because everything will be compensated in lands with cheap price. And we have a surplus of 100 million so for each legal deficit of legal reserve. With one hectare of deficit, we have five hectares of surplus. So we have a lot of choice. So this is a scenario. So this is the forest, so the vegetation covering Brazil through time. So if we don't do anything, so, so without applying at all any the forest cover from 65 or 2012, it will reduce, the, the, the vegetation cover will reduce a lot in Brazil. If we apply the new forest cover, maybe we can just maintain the trends and we, we, we will only increase the cover uh, in native vegetation if we change the law. But I think that the scenario with Bolsonaro, it's much more a scenario without forest cover. And maybe I think that could uh, represent a problem for Brazil, but I think it's not only a problem for Brazil. I think this is a problem for all of us, because Brazil maintained maybe one of the largest forest cover in the whole world. And if we have this kind of deforestation, the impacts on climate change, the impacts uh, uh, in circulation of water, and, and so on will be not only in Brazil, but in neighbor countries and maybe global also. So I think this is a problem for the whole, it's a global problem, it's not a Brazilian problem. 
So what can we expect now, I think? So this is my, my uh, pessimist, pessimistic scenario. So I think that we will not have any enforcement of restoration. I think we should have an increase in downgrading, downsizing, and degazettement of protected areas, degazettement of indigenous land. I think we should have no action related to climate mitigation adaptation. So the budget for climate mitigation adaptation was cut in 95%. So they extinguished the program of mitigation and adaptation. And it's clear that now they want to change the forest code or they want to abolish legal reserves. So we have a project, a, loop, a, project, a, a bill that is uh, planning to do not have any more legal reserves in Brazil that represent one third of the whole forest cover in Brazil. So this is a scenario for the future. And the question that I'm doing here is for you. <laughs> what, what can we do? Because I really don't know. Because in the past, so when the forest code changed in 2012, we have two, three years of discussions. And I was uh, actively, active, actively involved in, this, in those discussions. And it was really a hard discussion because Mostly of what our opponents try to do is to disqualify you as a person. So I, I was compared to Bin Laden, and and, I, and they say that I and they, someone said that I love the forest code as Bin Laden love Allah. <laughs> and so they try to disqualify science and scientists, and at the same time they use the science that is useful for them. And we have several examples of using. So this is just an advertisement for a coffee machine. Sorry for the example, but it's the one that I found. I love coffee, so I'm a biased person to, to, to talk about that. And here in Portuguese, they say uh, scientific studies just that regular consumption of coffee is good for the mood and to avoid depression. And this is from Embrapa, so from the agriculture uh, company in, in, in Brazil. So I'm not sure that this was published, if this was peer-reviewed. So when we can have evidence, so, but we need a meta-analysis to say when it's good, when it is bad. I think it's good, because my mud is usually good. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not a depressed person. Well, well. But that, that was the situation for the forest code in a way that they use the science and part from Embrapa just to support their, their, their movement. But that science was not published, peer-reviewed, and so on. So it really was not a good science. And I think that now we are moving in a new land, in a new wing movement, anti-science. So they do not want to have science or any kind of science supporting but people science is also being uh, 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 used. There are so many so many big news don't know on what to believe. And I think that this interface between science and policy is now really weak and uh, really we have a huge challenge to, to, to move and to improve the situation. And, and this is a challenge for all of us. So I really 
don't know how change, how things will change in the future, considering this new lens. So, so what they call here the landscape of fear. So with these very optimistic words, <laughs> I'm just finishing this talk. And thank you very much. And I'm happy to take questions. <laughs>